Good evening, church. Um, welcome to another session of of our of our study on the book of Romans in our midweek Bible study. Amen. Well, thank God I'm not alone on this other side of town. Pastor Chris has joined us. Amen. So today we are the two nights house. Pastor Chris, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Nice. So, like, like, just like all you said last week, last week we talked about obligations of a Christian. Basically, that's what Romans chapter 13 deals with. And we looked at the obligation to government, the obligation to love, and the obligation to live right. Amen. So, like I said... Romans chapters 12 to 16 is termed the practical aspect of Christianity and chapters 1 to 11 deals with doctrine. Amen. So doctrine, when we learn doctrine, the end result of doctrine is that it should show in our life. Amen. So that, that's it. Now, Romans chapter 14. Today we begin. Romans chapter 14. Very interesting stuff. I don't know, but today, um, when I was thinking about this, it really made me remember one of the controversial, hot, debatable topics we had in Sunday school in Ghana many years ago. It was that hot. It was that hot that it took about two or three classes before we even came to a con. We didn't even come to a real conclusion. We just had to leave it as it is, quite honestly. Uh, especially on this subject. So we, we tackle this again. So verse 1. Now Paul is going to talk about the essence of true Christian liberty. You know, in the gospel, one of the things that is offensive is the gospel of grace. Especially when it comes to true liberty. Because the gospel of grace doesn't believe in legalism. Um, it believes in us worshipping God in the liberty of the Spirit. And sometimes that can be a bit offensive. It can be a bit offensive to the, 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 the mind. Uh, it can be a bit offensive to the religious person. And in today's um, portion that we are going to read the scripture... We are going to look at set one of such uh, components that adds to our Christian liberty, especially in the area of foods. So let's go. I, I hope today is going to be a very interesting one. Verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Amen. So Paul is addressing us that we should receive one who is weak in the faith. And secondly, we should not dispute over doubtful things. I want to read this in another version. New Living Translation. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. So, the Bible commands as believers, those who are spiritual, 
those who are still growing or have advanced in their growth than others. You know, in the Christian um, context, one of the words we are careful not to use is have grown. <laughs> because the day we use that word, then that means it's over for you. There is nothing like have grown. So even if you are a matured, quote-unquote, Christian, you are still growing. But you may have advanced in your growth than others. Amen. So Paul is talking to believers who are still growing or who have advanced in their growth than other believers. And Paul is saying that we who are strong or spiritual, we should receive believers who are weak in faith. So sometimes that's something that strong or spiritually matured Christians don't do well at. We don't know how to receive people who have scruples. We don't know how to do it. And uh, it's important we learn how to do it. Else, when we don't know how to relate to people who haven't reached our level, um, we are religious. That's just the hard truth. The hardcore truth is that you are religious if you can't bear with someone who is still weak in the faith or who has scruples. Let me look for another version. The easy translation. It is difficult for some Christians to trust God completely about everything. You should accept people like that as your friends. Do not argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Amen. Um, about two years ago, my, my, my presiding bishop, you know, his devotional, he, he touched on one of these issues which was so important. You know, if, if you don't learn how to live at peace with a believer, you will always be arguing over things that are unnecessary. And you will say it's apologetics or biblical hermeneutics. Uh, who was the best Christian apologist than Paul? But Paul didn't see the need to argue about everything. Amen. I'm sure some of the Christians in Rome were telling that, oh, the apologist is going to support us. But he didn't. He said, instead of me arguing about weak things, or doubtful things like this, just accept them. So Christians who are growing, let's try and remember to accept people. Okay, when we, we talk about that, we are not talking about uh, compromising over sin. We are talking about accepting each and everyone's stage of growth in the Christian work. That's what we are talking about. We should learn how to bear with them and the picture that it carries out here is like a nursing mother who is with a child that is how we who are strong are supposed to bear with people who have scruples in the faith amen so we should remember that because sometimes some of the, the people who are very bad at doing that are believers or people who have been in church long. We don't know how to receive one who is weak in faith. 
And let me even use this. Sometimes even pastors are very bad at doing that. Sometimes we forget because most pastors, the average pastor has advanced in some level of growth than his or her church member. And sometimes God will just call on you to come back to the place of love so that you can bear with them and you can walk with them and take gentle steps with them and help them to grow. So that is one test of a pastor. Amen. So two things we have learned in verse one. We should learn how to receive those who are weak in faith. And number two, don't dispute over doubtful things. Look, there are some arguments that's not necessary. Today, when you go on social media, everybody is a theologian. And sometimes when I carefully read through some of the news feeds of my friends' posts, I'm like, wow, we have broken Romans chapter 14, verse 1. The thing that you are arguing here that you have wrote a thesis on on your Facebook wall, it's a doubtful thing. Why are we even arguing about these things? Amen. There are some things we need to contest and stand for the truth of. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That needs to be contested. Okay? Supported strongly with scriptures. Uh, The issue of the Trinity. That needs to be strongly contested, advocated, and fought for. That's where apologetics come in. Um, When it comes to the resurrection the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, anything that has to do with the central theme of Christianity, those are things we have to have a strong apologetic uh, leaning towards. But not everything. Not everything. Uh, Let me give you an example. If if you're a Christian, if you're arguing about whether a woman should wear trousers or not, I don't think you've understood Christianity yet. I don't think you've understood Christianity yet. If you're a Christian, if you're arguing about makeup, whether a woman should wear makeup or not, I don't think you've understood Christianity yet. If you are arguing about whether a woman should wear Brazilian hair, because that is the uh, current climate or context we live in, I don't think you've understood Christianity yet. We are to tackle things that has to do with doctrinal issues that will affect eternity. Amen. So, it's not everything that you you argue about. So, believers who are growing, we have to learn how to do that. This is a strong temptation. Paul is saying that those of you who are strong accept weak people in the faith. And now, Paul is talking in context. we, We could just lift up this scripture out of context, and then talk about someone who is weak in faith. But we are going to look at the scriptures and understand what Paul means when he says someone is weak in faith and what Paul is referring to as doubtful. Amen. So I remember, like I'm saying, that Bible class in 1998 that we struggled over two or three Sundays, we, re- we really abrogated the scripture. But I would say we shouldn't even argue over that for this. Yeah, that was what we are arguing for. For, 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 for three sessions, for three weeks continuous, we could never come to a consensus on the topic. Amen. So verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things, 
but he who is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> so people who want to go on salad, you hear? The Bible says if you eat only vegetables, you are weak. So <laughs> please allow me to eat my meat, okay? <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Let him not who eats despise him who does not eat. And let him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. So, this was in the days of Jews, Gentiles. You know, this is a mixed multitude. The Gentiles who had given their lives to Christ and who had understood the gospel of grace, they were just eating meats and everything. The Jewish believers too, who had also given their lives to Christ, they also mixed the, their, their newfound faith with Jewish tradition. So verse 2 really explains to me that one of the things that we fight with when we come into the faith is culture. That's why it's so important to renew our minds by the word of God. There are some people who will never have the opportunity to experience what it means to live a transformed life just because of culture or tradition. Yes, they have received Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, but they have married their newfound faith with their cultural and traditional views. And, and and when you do that, like Jesus said, it is just like old wine being put into a new wineskin. The, the Bible says it can't. You either put old wine into old wineskin or new wine into new wineskin. But if you mix them, the Bible says that the wineskin is going to bust. And that was what was happening in this case. The Gentile Christians who had received the gospel of grace... They just flowed in the liberty of Christ. The Jewish believers too, who had also come into this new final faith, they were mixing it with their tradition. So when a Jewish man was under the Judaic system, they don't eat some things. Some things are permissible, other things are not permissible. But for the Gentile, they don't have censorship on what they could eat. Amen. And the Bible lets us know that Paul was referring to those who eat only vegetables that they are weak. Accept them in the faith. Don't argue about it. So sometimes when someone is trying to have some sort of religious belief about I eat this or I don't eat that. Scripturally speaking, we shouldn't argue about it. Accept the person as weak in faith. (laughs) Are are you understanding me? And let's just believe God that the person will renew his mind by the word of God and will allow him or her to experience change and when the person experiences change or when the person's mind becomes renewed and becomes a transformed vessel, 
that person will come to a place of maturity and would know, oh, okay, no, maybe what I was doing was very legalistic. Amen. So Paul is saying that the one who eats meat should not despise the one that doesn't eat meat. So you may have understood the gospel of grace very well. Someone may have not understood it. The Bible says that have patience with them. And let him who does not eat judge him who eats. So Paul is also extending that grace to the person who doesn't eat meat, but is only going to eat vegetables. Now may I say this? I can relate this to SDAs and Christians. We have to learn how to live at peace. I see some Christians who can't flow with SDAs. Because they are like, oh, they worship God on Saturday. But Paul even said that one time, we should not even argue about the day. Are you understanding me? So, there are some things in the faith that is minor. And you have to look through the scriptures to find what the things that are minor and the things that are major. So, as we say, fight for the truth. That's apology or defend the truth on which is major. But there are some things that are very minor that has little or nothing to do with the salvation of his soul. The Bible says we shouldn't fight about it because sometimes that is where the wedge comes and people will be saying things like doctrine divides. Doctrine never divides, never ever divides, but it is the subject matter on which you will decide to be doctrinally correct that will determine whether the, you are promoting uh, the bond of the unity in the spirit of peace among believers. Amen. So, who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So, I don't know how many of you have heard this scripture being quoted. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Well, it's talking now in the area of foods. So if someone has accepted the gospel and is living in his Christian liberty and is eating meats that you might think is forbidden, the Bible says that who are you to judge him? Now, let me say this. When the Bible is talking about foods now, because chapter 14 is talking about foods, it's not really talking about wine. Can we, can we get that clear? Because there are many scriptures in the Bible that has made a strong stance on alcohol consumption or wine. And sometimes you'll hear people quoting scriptures like, oh, but Timothy, no, the Bible says that um, drink wine for your stomach's infirmity. It's true. It's, it's stated. But the question is, how many times is that written? Okay, so you, you can't just take one isolated incident of the Bible and build a doctrine around it. The Bible says that by the mouth of two or three, everywhere shall be established. So you have to look for two or three or more of scriptures that shows instances like this. And that's where you can build a doctrine. You don't, you don't just pick one separated incident and build a doctrine. Like Hosea. You know that Hosea married... A woman from a woman from Goma, 
who was a prostitute. But the Bible lets us know that to be unequally yoked is sin. So God had to instruct Hosea to do that for a particular reason. Okay, so it's only one separated incident. You can't take just one separated incident and then build your doctrine around it. Amen. So who are we to judge? Another man's servant is talking strictly on meals. It's not necessarily talking about drinks. One of the things to that you have to understand is in this current context, there were certain foods that were dedicated to their gods. Right? So when you eat them, the Jewish people who I've told you in time past were very superstitious. They believed that when you eat such food, you pollute yourself. I understand me. So this is where Paul is talking about. So don't judge somebody by what they eat. Then bring you home again. In the Muslim tradition, they have something called halal or haram. A meat that is halal means it's dedicated to Allah. So that's what Muslims will eat. But if it's haram, that's it's not dedicated to it could be anything. So a real Muslim, a true if you see a true Muslim eating KFC, he's not a serious Muslim. Most serious Muslims, they don't eat KFC because they believe KFC is not halal, but it's haram. You understand? And they believe that once they take it, they have desecrated the vessel. I, I understand me. So that's what Paul is talking about here. Don't judge people by foods. Amen. It's it's wrong. So let me bring you home again. There are festivals. So let's say that there is a festival. It might not be a festival that's in line with your Christian virtues. And if they give you food. Now let me ask this question. When you eat it, have you sinned? The floor is open. Based on what we have read in the first four verses. As you've seen, you see that I've changed my mode of study a bit today. I just want to do verse by verse and then throw a question. Based on what we've learned, the first four verses. Oh, please unmute your mic. I'd like to hear from you. No, I don't. I don't think you have sinned. Why? Um, based on the first four, um, the first four verses, verse two says that for if one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables, let him who eats not despise the one who eats, and um, who does not. I'm sorry. And let him, let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God received him. So God receives the one who eats and the one who does not eat. And since God receives them, then I'm sure you, you are fine if God receives you. Okay. So why does this become such a hurrah in the kingdom of God?
in Ghana, they had common festivals. You know, that's like part of our culture that they celebrate. Like Homo Odria Festival, you know, it's a festival that's dedicated to gods and whatever. And and sometimes this becomes a, a, a funny issue. Or even, let's say, even Ramadan. There are some Christians that will forbid Ramadan. Don't eat a Muslim food if he is celebrating Ramadan. Now, when you eat any of these, does it, does it mean you have sinned? Or even now, like the gay pride. Now, that's a big thing here in the Western world. They sell foods, they give drinks, water, all that sort of thing. <clears throat> so, if you receive anything from people who don't have the lifestyle that you have, and you, you eat or you drink whatever they give to you, have you sent? Class, today we are deliberating, so let's deliberate. I asked a question. No, I don't think you have seen if you eat anything they give, they give to you. Why? Um... Yeah, uh, if if you're just, I mean, if you're, for instance, let's assume you have a friend who is part of this gay, whatever, and then they have their celebration, and the person gives you food to eat. I don't, I don't think you have sinned if you eat the food. Um, I don't think that means that you are celebrating whatever celebration they have with them, or you are being part of their celebration. That is gay pride. So what about that? Um, you're referring to the celebration, right? Not the food, right? I'm talking about the food at the event they've given to you. Yeah. Um, if where I think I'll have um, my reservation is where, um. Some people say, oh, they will just attend the, uh, the event and join them in the match just to show solidarity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I, I think I have a bit of reservation. But if, assuming somebody gives you food from that, uh, even, even for you to, it's, it might be a way for you to reach out to the person or for you to connect with the person. And so if you, just say that oh because the person is coming from gay pride and so you not eat the food it might be an opportunity to witness to the person which you are you are missing so i don't i don't think um it's wrong to eat the food if somebody gives you okay who else please very great submission Nobody has anything to say. 
encourager Chris. Sometimes, yeah, take, take, take some of these instructions literal and misses the point being read. Um, what I normally post is um, these spiritual boys and girls who um, tend to segregate um, gathering and food and all that. It is to bring them home to things like, do you know where you're? clothing was made do you know who made them you know um, when we talk about it has it has it has passed through the hands of unbelieving do we even go further to think about all the all the funds we use and where they're coming from um <laughs> our cards the hands that pass through them so 